Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings are from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, and the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 34, and 53 through 56. My sermon is titled, The Spaces in Between. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are just two highlights. Next Sunday, July 25th, Social Hour will begin with a brief congregational meeting to vote on the incoming ruling elders nominated to serve on the Leadership Council. Please join us via Zoom for that. The next Companions on the Inner Way virtual retreat is being held August 11th to the 14th. If you're interested and haven't yet registered, the deadline has been extended to August 4th, and you'll find details in the written announcements. And now, in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God. Surely God is in this place. 
Let us pray. Merciful God, we come to you in confusion and need, and you greet us with love. You hold us, tend us, heal us, and send us forth. When we believe we have nothing to give, open us to new possibilities. When we are reluctant to enter into our own lives, encourage us. Feed our deep hungers with the bread of life, that we might live as your people. Now in silence, we continue in prayer. God is our light and salvation. We need not fear. God is the strength of our life, who gives us courage. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, healed, and welcomed home. Amen.
A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for these ancient words. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says God. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says God. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says God. The days are surely coming, says Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. Yahweh is our righteousness. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Wait for the 
A reading from the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning with the thirtieth verse. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, and wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Here ends the reading. There is a city in Colorado that bridges two counties. I knew it as just another 30-minute drive from home. Winding through open roads, it rises confidently out of the foothills, as if it had always been there. Each day it becomes the backdrop for afternoon thunderstorms, followed slowly by the gentle return of the sun. The weather gives it a certain mood. A center for the arts draws people there from across the front range. Studio, dance, theater, comedy, music. It's like an ecumenical house of worship. Passers-by peering into each other's worlds, we see the refined parts on display. A trail of violin students, beautiful instruments in hand, on their way to a hidden studio, never a sound heard. Behind glass walls near the entrance are living installations, dancers in ballet pink appearing to float effortlessly back and forth across the floor. No straining, no counting, no corrections known. And just beyond the stairs on the second floor, the jewelry box light of dance studios is exchanged for the subdued light of a gallery, the kind that says this is a very serious space. There's no talking loudly. Movements are to be made quietly, carefully, respectfully. Each year, a childhood friend and I registered for the Art Center's ceramics classes. Piling in and out of our mother's car became part of our weekly routine. Watching the landscape and weather change as we drove was a familiar rhythm. The thunderstorms were soothing. And the building, once we arrived, was like 
pulling into another home. We didn't live in the spaces that were for show, though there was something compelling about those as well. Instead, we wound our way through the pristine, frightfully breakable art in the dimly lit gallery and entered a dusty clay tomb filled with light. That's where the cool, damp slabs were waiting to be rolled out, and buckets of glaze promised the beauty of surprise. That's where pots were thrown, slip was made, and kilns were fired. Long before we understood the barrier of the gallery or the weather patterns of our own moods, something drew us to the earthy substance of the clay. That's what I imagine happening with the people following Jesus everywhere he goes. Something drew them there. The story says it was a need for healing, a reprieve from pain. It says it was a need for nourishment, for wisdom, for bread. Some say it was a need for assurance, that there might be order to the watery chaos again that the sheep who had been scattered would finally know the peace of returning home. Reworking an old saying from the prophets, Jesus recognizes the people as sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them in the spaces in between. Sometimes it was a gift to be scattered sheep, Sometimes the land needed to heal from the wounds inflicted by the people. Sometimes a shepherd, in the form of a king or prophet, was causing harm themselves or was failing to correct the harms done by others and so needed to be removed. Then, sheep let loose meant the flock's relief. Sometimes a shepherd failed in their duty to care for their sheep, abandoning them when in need. And sometimes that shepherd was God. In those times, usually, the story gives us a good shepherd imitating the faithful care once promised. Though it is not a theology shared by all, our ancient ancestors believed there were times God chose to scatter God's people by way of punishment, even when this meant only a small remnant would survive. They trusted it was done for their purification, that they would emerge like gold from the refiner's fire. And while there were earthly shepherds like Moses who could intervene, it was ultimately up to God to end the pain being visited upon them. Over and over again, they lived out the familiar human drama of rupture and repair, exile and return. Through the biblical narratives, we hear not only of the great expulsion of people that came with the fall of Jerusalem, but of many that occurred before. The trouble is, 
while exile was almost always imagined as punishment, the lived experience was different. There was a dream of Israel, of living together as a people in the land gifted them by God. But it may have been more like a perfected gallery than the studio where people lived. For with all the promises of a return to a land of milk and honey and to a finally righteous shepherd king who would ensure their well-being evermore, those few who did return found Israel barren and desolate compared to the rich lands of Egypt and Mesopotamia, where many in the diaspora set down roots and made a home. Indeed, some scholars believe it was as a dispersed people, many years after any exile, that the story of the exodus out of Egypt was first imagined. With no material evidence that the exodus happened at all, it is thought to have been created as a way to explain why so many Israelites had established connections in Egypt, even though, as a place of exile, it was supposed to be one of punishment, and certainly not their promised land. Somehow, the story became memory, as if it had always been there. Each day, a backdrop for dramatic thunderstorms and the gentle return of the sun. Surely there is great beauty and strength in it, a story of a people who survive and who, through great trials, became a good and just nation. Like the finished work displayed in a gallery, it is inspiring and worthwhile. And the lives hidden behind the world passers-by see are made of that earthy substance that draws us home, that space in between. We believe in God who meets us wherever we are, offering us all we need. We believe in the Christ who opens hearts to new ways of living, empowering us to acts of compassion. We believe in the Holy Spirit who awakens us to the mystery of God's very self all around us. This we believe. Amen.
join our hearts together, offering prayers for the world, for the whole human family, and all of creation. God of life, we give you thanks for this planet we call home, for flower gardens ever-changing, for blossoms newly emerging, opening and returning to the soil, for the gift of sunlight peeking through leaves, and the cool relief of shade, we give you thanks for morning doves and chipmunks, for honeybees and the reminder of life beyond ourselves, we offer our praise. We know joy and sorrow. We carry possibility and disappointment. Grant us a spirit of persistence and of kindness with it all. Enfold us in your gentle love that we too might embrace our being human. We pray that we might be sustained by each morning and that we might remember the gift of one another. So we pray for our siblings near and far, for those we know and for those we've yet to meet. We pray for their well-being, for the gift of community, for the delight of your goodness. And now we continue voicing our prayers to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, O breathing life, your name shines everywhere. Release a space to plant your presence here. Imagine your possibilities now. Embody your desire in every light and form. Grow through us this moment's bread and wisdom. Untie the knots of failure binding us as we release the strands we hold of others' faults. Help us not forget our source, yet free us from not being in the present. From you arises every vision, power, and song, from gathering to gathering. Amen. May our future actions grow from here.
go forth curious about the spaces in between, the pristine parts and that earthy substance that draws you home. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>